What's up? Is, it, am I, is this thing working right? Like, um, I can hear you fine, man. Um, okay, and I can hear you fine. Yeah, but yeah, you're doing all video. I'm just doing um, audio. Oh, well, my bad. Okay, I, we can turn the video off there. Yeah, there Ever. we go. Yeah, I don't want to see your ugly face on there. Nah, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've been, man. I haven't seen you like forever. Uh, yeah, I know, dude. It's been a while. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. yeah, I was, I was trying to watch the, and I watched the rumble, and I, and just you know for a little reference, but I couldn't get past that six man tag match. <laughs> that match is the black hole of, of, uh, um, yeah, that whole pay per view is so bad. It is, it is just really horrible. The whole thing is yeah. just god awful. Yeah, I I was trying to think. It's like I was trying to put something on for like background, not for noise, obviously, but like it's just something to like to look at. I put on SummerSlam '98. Wow. That, that that would be a good one to use. Yeah, That's... SummerSlam '98, I think, pretty much was the epitome of the Attitude Era. So um, I I can't wait to, to actually get into like the, the actual Attitude Era pay per views. But I kind of want to start like a spot where it would it be didn't... like easy to like start at. So I think the Royal Rumble, I think, is a good way to to slowly bring ourselves to the Attitude Era. Um, if we do it every week, you know, we should be able to get that, you know, easily. So now that's the thing yeah, I was asking. Me? Hey, I can hear you too fine, hey. man. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Donnie? Yeah, man. Oh, can he, can he hear me? I don't know. You guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. I can yeah. hear him. Yeah, you're good, man. Um, oh, now as far as, uh, um, okay. Well, hey guys. Uh, hey Donnie. Hey, uh, Brian. Hey. What's up? Uh, okay. So, um, I think we're. I'm gonna try to stay pretty much like, like on a kind of tight uh, flow of this whole thing. So try not to avoid any kind of rants or, um, like you know, say how much way you hate, you hate John Cena, Brian. No, <laughs> fine, 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 <laughs> fine. We'll stay. He's not on my list, by the way. Okay, yeah, uh, my list was actually I think pretty pretty appropriate too. Um, as far as recording, um, I think this is being recorded right now because um, I have a recording program I'm using. So. Um, I'm Which one are you using? Uh, MP3 Skype recorder. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, it says recording a call, so I think it's working right now. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and and, um, and pretty much like say like we will pause for like just be silent for like five seconds, and then I'll introduce myself, uh, and then you guys want to use whatever kind of names you want to. That's perfectly fine. Um, and then we'll go ahead and just do Rod, do the Rumble, and then. Um, uh, do our, our top five least deserving champions of all time. All right, good cool. deal. And uh, am I getting any feedback or anything to the mic? I really can't hear myself, so I'm, I don't know. Um, no, I'm, here, I'm hearing you perfectly fine. I'm getting no feedback. You guys are sounding great. Yeah, I don't okay, hear anything great. either. Okay, so awesome. all right. Uh, you guys ready to do this? Sure. Yeah, let's go. All right, just having a drink of scotch for, uh, for bravery there. All right. All right, we're pausing for five seconds. Welcome to a wrestling podcast. I'm Turnbuckle Jim, and with me is... Um, it's Brian Glass. How you doing? Hey, this is Donnie. All right, guys, and uh, we're going to be uh, going through um, pretty much uh, a little bit of wrestling. Uh, going to do a uh, raw uh, rundown of that show from Monday. Uh, that was on February 10th. And then we're going to go to uh, do a retrospective attitude era. Well... Pre-Attitude Era pay-per-view that is uh, the Royal Rumble 1997, 
Uh, and then we're concluding the show with our top five least deserving champions, which is probably going to be our biggest list of hate ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I picked that. I just thought it would be good because Psycho Sid was a champion, and he wasn't in my top five, but I think he was very undeserving of the championship. Um, was that number six for you? Um, yeah, it was like six <laughs> or seven. Um, I, actually, when I, when I actually thought about it, the, the list became a bit tighter, I thought. Uh, as as I thought about it, yeah, he was probably six or seven mm. easily. He was he was almost on there, um, but then I remembered Yokozuna, <coughs> so <laughs> then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch him out because he actually did some stuff. So anyway, um, let's begin with Raw from uh, from this past Monday. Um, so what do you guys think about the opening segment? Well, I I like to start off by talking about how how I mean the CM Punk chants are pretty weak, like. You see him, and you know the the internet explodes. That CM Punk is gone, and it almost seems like maybe he was a little bit more out of steam than we think so because the fans that they start it and it goes for maybe thirty seconds and then just kind of wanes away. And I like CM Punk; I'm a huge CM Punk mark, but it just seems like those are not really working as well as you yeah. think that they would. Okay, I got a question on that. Do we think that like they sort of like like phase that out, like, like they can like alter the sound so you don't hear it. You know, like they're like piping the Goldberg chants, that kind of thing. Um, I'm pretty sure that the chants are pretty, uh, um, pretty organic in terms of where they're coming from for the fans. I think the fans are pretty much like they'll chant the, the CM Punk whenever they're bored. So anytime you see like Daniel Bryan, they're like, oh, they shut their mouths and like you know, enjoy themselves and what they're actually watching as opposed to what moves <clears throat> on out there. So yeah, I guess we'll see when. In uh, in what's it March third when uh, when they go to uh, Chicago for Raw? That's that's what I think we'll actually really see the uh, the chance uh, in in strong uh, unison. Right. Well, I mean, I guess to kind of show us how bored the uh, the people are in terms of the product they're giving out to. I mean, how many times we're going to see opener where Randy Orton comes out? Um, and oh, I'm so sick of him. I'm so sick of the authority. Uh, with Randy Orton, he really needs to drop the belt to somebody. I don't care who it is, as long as it's not him or Cena champions, I would be happy at this point. Or Batista. Or Batista, yes, that's another <laughs> good point. We'll get to in a moment. Well, do you think like this whole thing? Because because he he did lose, obviously. If you go to the end of the, well, I mean, we're getting I'm getting ahead of myself, but like they're making him. It seems like they're just making him look weak. And then you know, like and then he'll sneak out a victory. Which what good is that going to do him? He'll look weak. Yeah. Yeah, he really looks awful as a champion. He's been like their champion for the last like, six months, off and on. And he's he's you know he's won matches. He's beaten Cena. He's beaten Brian. Um, he's beaten the Big Show. We think we all forgot about that. Um, but it was just he's just terrible. Is it just me, or has he had pretty much given the same promo for the last like three and a half years? Like, I don't really even know what the content is. It's just the same beat and it's the same tone of voice and uh, it's just he's really one dimensional yeah anyway so we, we probably uh, as much as we want to run down uh, uh, Randy Orton as much as possible we should probably move on at this point um, okay. and talk about Betty White um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought for her opening line she was great uh, but after that it was kind of a train wreck um, you know I've kind of got a theory about that yeah uh, a lot of times they say that you know the WWF or WWE uh, books eight months in advance, and my thought was that maybe they had booked uh, Mae Young eight months in advance, and then she died, so they just came up with another 80-something-year-old. Yeah, I mean, she's a good celebrity <laughs> to bring on. She wasn't overused, I thought, um, and she was kind of fun, I guess, but it, I guess, a train wreck's probably a bad word for that, but it, the segments weren't great. They didn't add any value to this show. 
Yeah, that seems about accurate. Don't you think she was like maybe three years too late? Like she could have just like hosted Raw back when they had it once a week with a celebrity. Oh, that that really turned me off from wrestling. Yeah, it was kind of out of place. Yeah, it did kind of feel out of place having that that token celebrity. But celebrities are part of the WWE culture. They will bring celebrities occasionally, so it didn't feel too out of place. But it did kind of it didn't, didn't ruin huh. the flow of the show. Huh. I don't think it was as strong as it could have been. Well, the thing about it, like like the audience that she gets, would they even be awake or even care that wrestling's on? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think she's kind of an internet meme these days. So I don't know. I think she got a pretty good chance. So, well, what did you think about the uh, the New Age Outlaws skit with uh, with her over the uh, the whole eye drops? Uh, you know, trying to make her crap herself sort of thing. Like, I thought that was such quintessential Vince McMahon humor. Uh, I, I think he was just rolling off camera while the rest of us just kind of rolled our eyes. Yeah, I think it was pretty weak. So, anyway, enough about her. Um, let's move on to uh, to the Wide family versus um, the Rhodes brothers and uh, Rey Mysterio. What did you guys think of the match? Actual wrestling, talking about the wrestling instead. Oh, anytime you can get the, the Wyatts, like, out there and, like, in a, in a good match and a good flow of people who – clearly have been around long enough to you know to put on a good match it it shows like the skills they got because if you're highlighting them against the shield elimination chamber you got to show people what they got so they'll be interested in the match definitely and and uh i just the wyatt family is amazing right now they really are like they've they've come so far since those opening promos and just everything about them the characters the song everything is amazing uh, and i also want to talk about cody rhodes for a minute because in my opinion Cody is the best wrestler on the roster, and I know Daniel Bryan is amazing, and I know there's a lot of other really good ones, but the thing this guy does, and the way that he does it, and the psychology that he brings to a match, and maybe he's learning from Goldust, who's also wrestling his best, I just, I, I'm a Cody Mark, I think he's doing absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I, I agree with you too, I mean, I, I think when they, they brought in uh, uh, Goldust back and, and Cody Rhodes, and that whole storyline I think was probably one of their best storylines they've done in forever, so I, I think... I, I like the match. I like the. I love the Wyatts. I think they're like the best gimmick um, that they brought in since uh, uh, since the Shield. Um, but uh, but yeah, I thought the match was perfect length. Uh, had enough spots to it. Rey Mysterio showed his stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it was overall it was pretty good. All right. So uh, moving on. Uh, Santino Morella versus Fandango. Did anybody watch this match and did anybody care? Uh, you know, I watched for one reason. And uh, number it wasn't to see Emma dance because that is awful. Uh, wow. But really, the one thing I'll give Fandango is that top rope leg drop is amazing. Like that's the only thing he really has going for him, other than the song that people like to dance to. But but that finishing move is I, I, I think that's it's awesome. It, no, it's it's awesome. I just don't know how he's gonna be able to keep that up because you imagine he's gonna have to like he'll jack up his back after like enough times doing that. Oh yeah, he's he's up for that uh, that spinal fusion surgery to, in a, in a few years. Yeah, um, I think he's a great wrestler with a horrible gimmick, uh, with a very beautiful ballet, um, and mm-hmm. I can't stand Santino Morella. So uh, yeah, I, I'm over. Yeah, I think um, I think the match itself was kind of a waste of time, but to be honest with you. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, the Real Americans uh, versus Sheamus and Christian. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just seems like like they're using this as like I mean, it's like, it seems like twofold for me because like you know you, you're getting Sheamus and Christian back, so you need to get them in like tag matches so they're not they, like they're not trying like really taking a chance of hurting themselves, but you can still see what they got. And then the real Americans, they're obviously splitting them up, so I mean the, they're just progressing that along. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's about time. I think the real Americans have kind of run their course. I mean, Caesaro's getting huge face pops, uh, you know, whether they like it or not. So I think he's going in that direction. And Swagger, there's just not a lot more they can do with him. I think he's going to be future endeavored sooner than later because you can't repackage him for the 50th time. He's just sort of an afterthought. I mean, jobber to the stars, but, you know, really the whole team's about Caesar at this point. Yeah, I'd be honest with you about that. Um, uh, Brian? I, I had a question. I mean, it's a little off this, but, like, so, I, I mean, we, we all know that, like, he got uh, in trouble last year around WrestleMania time, but does anybody think he would have beat Del Rio if he didn't get arrested? Mm, That's no. a good question. I think Del Rio is just too much of a Vince Man's Mexican wet dream, so... Uh... I think that's kind of hard to, to say. Yeah, I think Swagger's reign was, was a pretty big flop, and uh, and I, I don't want to pull the curtain back too far, but you might hear me say that again in this podcast. Uh, but but I wasn't a big fan of Swagger's World Heavyweight Champion, so I don't know that they'd have pulled the trigger over Del Rio. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I actually the match itself I thought was really good. I think that both Sheamus and Christian looked fantastic. Um, Definitely. I, the only problem I have with the match is that, yeah, the real Americans, like, what are they doing with them? I mean, obviously they're going to break them up. Are they making Cesaro a face? Um, you know, what, what are they going to do with those guys, really? I mean, because once you break them up, it's like, well, what do you do? Right. Well, I mean, is, is Zeb going to come out with uh, Cesaro for the chamber match? I mean, are they, is he gonna, they think they're going to split them up before that even happens. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but I, I tell you, I, I hope Zeb doesn't go anywhere because, I mean, I know the signs are pretty offensive and, and that they're borderline a lot of times, but, man, they make me laugh every single time. Yeah, he, he's becoming a better character than when he was first introduced, and I, I think, honestly, the, the people are chanting, we the people. Um, so I think that's a big sign that they, they I, people are actually kind of behind this sort of kind of racist gimmick, uh, but... Um, I, I really don't do you, think he can do anything else besides doing that gimmick, though. And do you think, you know, not to stay on it too long, but do you think that maybe that people are kind of happy to have an actual manager again, that somebody that actually speaks for the talent and is a part of everything? It's something we haven't had in a long time, so it's nice to see a manager again. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I think it's like kind of like, well, Paul Heyman is a manager. I mean, he had like you know, yeah. three guys in, two or three guys in him at one point. Um, so I think... That, um, like that kind of wise, I, I think that's pretty good. That's a good point. So. As long as long as like you know, for me, I always like the managers like for the guys who had a hard time speaking for themselves. Like any anybody Jimmy Hart had, like I mean, when we had the Hart Foundation, like it's clear because Bret Hart didn't have the promo skills at the time. So if they're used to like prop up the talent, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Jack Swagger falls in that. I mean, with the lisp, and he's he's kind of known as a as a joke behind the mic. So I think that's it's really good to have a mouthpiece for him. Yeah, I mean, definitely Zeb Coulter has been giving them either heat or um, uh, praise in some places. So I, I think yeah, face pops depending on what part of the country. <laughs> <you're in. laughs> yeah, depending on how uh, open people are to his, his politics. Um, but I think yeah, the the gimmick is definitely uh, probably run its course at this point. But uh, be interesting to see what they would do with both of them. Um, okay, well, moving on. Uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Alberto Del Rio. Uh, very short match. Uh, mm-hmm. Del Rio beat Ziggler um, pretty much within a couple minutes. It was, I think it was pretty much a waste of time, but it did put uh, Del Rio over, I guess, as being the beast, and um, Batista came in and beat the crap out of him. Yeah, I don't... Go ahead. 
I'm not gonna, I think it wouldn't have mattered either way because like it didn't matter who Del Rio fought. It was just to have him out there just to get Batista in more in the spotlight a little bit more. Right. And I feel bad for Dolph Ziggler. I mean, the guy is is so good, and he's just being mistreated. Uh, and, and Alberto Del Rio, I like him. I actually like both of these guys, and I think they're both kind of underused. Uh, but but you know, somebody had to lose this match, and I guess Ziggler was the one they fed to the wolf. Uh, as far as Alberto Del Rio. He's good. I just don't know why they're feeding him to Batista, who is, let's be honest, Batista was stale the night after his return. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I just I hope better for these guys. Yeah, I think Batista's uh, uh, return has been just, just so horrible uh, in terms of the fans are just totally rejecting him. Um, I don't remember him being like you know super popular myself. Maybe it was just me, or maybe it was something else. But I, I don't think he was that great of a wrestler anyway to begin with. Um, same here. I, I think everybody that he's had a big time match with has pretty much carried him. Yeah, um, I, I think that's that's pretty much he, true. Well, I mean, yeah, like he, he's been pretty sloppy at times. I mean, like you remember how like, he bragged about breaking like hurting John Cena's neck in that SummerSlam match. He still hurt John Cena, so I mean, he he can be sloppy a lot of times too. Yeah, and I think the the fact the way they booked the, the Royal Rumble too for him to win it, it was just such a horrible horrible finish to him to the fans, and also like making him go out and just putting Batista through a table like week two other feud it, people are going to be cheering for uh, for Del Rio as opposed to Batista so I really don't yes. know what they're doing I mean they, I, I think they, I think they lost them. yeah they def- decided not to, uh, uh, to be creative with Batista at all and huh. do a sitting, uh, face push for him is there anybody that they could use to help prop up Batista that, like, okay, it's like, you know he's going to beat Del Rio, but it's not really going to hurt Del Rio going forward, but I don't see if they could put anybody else in that spot and it not hurt their career to put Batista over right now, they you know? They could yeah, use Mark... <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, they, they use Mark Henry for that spot a lot, too. I don't know how many big, you know, times he can come out looking awesome and then just get beat. Yeah, Brock Lesnar just destroyed... Uh... And that was a perfect use of them, too. So, anyway, moving on. Because uh, we have only about half the show, and we've already killed a lot of time already. Um, the Usos versus Curtis Axel and Ryback, speaking of being buried. Um, Usos <laughs> beat them cleanly. Um, what do you guys think? Usos next champions? I think so. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would hope so. I mean, figured it would happen sooner rather than later. But when are they gonna, you know, gain their uh, what I like to call the Rikishi weight? You know, a lot of Samoans, other than the Rock, like that, they reach a point at like 30 where they they blow up. They're gonna gain 60 pounds, and it's just gonna be crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering how much time that happens because that's usually about the time that, you know, in the past that push has kind of ended for for those guys. So, uh, I hope not. I, I love the Usos. I think Jay is more talented than Jimmy uh, as far as a uh, you know. Uh, charisma goes, but uh, we'll see. Yep. Um, but overall, I think it was a pretty decent match. Definitely put the Usos over, and they're further burying Curtis Axel and Ryback. I think they have no idea what to do with those guys at this point. So. Well, I say to, turn. Okay, Kurt. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just turn Axel face while he still has the enough hair to be relevant. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel bad for Curtis Axel because, like, I mean, they, they they repackaged him, brought him back, and then they just threw the Intercontinental title on him, and then just did nothing with him, said job to see him punk. Like, it's not really his fault, I don't think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they, they brought him in too, too, too an awkward way. They pushed too much uh, stuff on him, being a Heyman guy, and 
uh, had the IC title. Once he lost both of them, he really has nothing to go on. Well, like, like when, like when he, when he immediately came back as Curtis Axel, and he had those horrible, whatever you want to call it, with Triple H. Like, that's sort of like, I, I'll, I'll let, I'll let him beat me, but it's not going to be like a straight one, two, three. Yeah, it's going to be the, probably the crappiest win of all time. He just kind of passed out outside the ring because uh, Brock Lesnar hurt him so much. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, Dean mm-hmm. Ambrose versus Mark Henry. Um, Dean Ambrose uh, actually. Lost to Mark Henry via disqualification. Surprise, surprise. Because um, the Shield came in and beat the crap out of uh, Mark Henry. Um, what did you guys think? Oh, Mark Henry. Doesn't it seem like Mark Henry is. His name should be Mark the Mystery Opponent Henry. Like, anytime they have, like, you know, oh, it's an open challenge tonight, it always seems like Mark Henry's that guy that walks out. So, you know, I almost predicted it before it happened. It's like, oh, it's another mystery opponent. Yeah, let's, let's go, Mark Henry. <laughs> Uh, but once again, Roman Reigns shows why he is the future of the business. Like I, I love this guy, and uh, you know it's uh, it was a great match for him. It was I, I love the Shield, so I think it's you know all good. That that's fantastic. Like you know, like, and just like so you can look at like, all the guys' faces when they hear his music. That shock look like I have to act surprised that he's coming out every time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you there. I think that uh, he's definitely the the. the, the person they bring in just to scare the people and then he loses somehow or wins and he's big for a week and then he goes away um but yeah i, I love the shield uh, i love the stare down between the Wyatts and the shield i'm so hyped up for the six-man match i think it's one of the, the the coolest things ever um i love when they did on raw they had the shield uh brawling with i think it was daniel bryan or cm punk and then the Wyatts came in and then they started brawling for a second there and uh, the fans just went nuts <laughs> You know, I love that. I'm, I'm loving this whole, like, three versus three thing. Um, it, they are going to be breaking up the shield. I'm kind of sad about that. But I think these the three individual wrestlers that have so much talent, then they can go out and do whatever they want to. And I'm just I, enjoying I, the ride in the meantime. Yeah. I, just for a comparison's sake, like, 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 just for my own thing, when, when they first started the shield, I never would have thought they were going to break it up with Roman Reigns being, like, the huge face push. It, it just reminds me of Evolution when, like, because Batista, like, he got that huge push, and I never expected that. It came out of left field, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of remind me of that, too, except you don't have like, <clears throat> two really older wrestlers. They all kind of came in as equals, so I think it was kind of, it's easier to break them up that way. So I'm hoping for WrestleMania 30 they do for the uh, U.S. Championship, all members of the Shield uh, versus each other. I think that would be really cool. That would be great. I love that idea. I mean, look, to be honest, I, I, mean, I like that match, but... I don't. If you put the title on him, I'd just be afraid to do it. It's like with any other guy who gets that U.S. or Intercontinental belt, where they just put a belt on the guy and forget about him. Yeah, I wish we could use a more of a, like an intermediary championship. Like he would uh, win the belt, uh, <clears throat> defend it, look great as champion, and then start doing a push towards the world championship. I think that'd probably be the best. That's always the best use for the belt. Uh, and yeah, they've always, they've been doing recently putting people like Kofi Kingston had the IC and US title so many times, but it's been useless on him. So. It is nice to see that, that you know, it, it almost means something more, you know, along, uh, around the waist of Dean Ambrose. It, it feels like the U.S. title, even if he hasn't defended it in a long time, it just seems like it means more, you know, around his waist. Maybe it's because he, he hasn't had it really before or whatever, but it's just, it's a good reign, and I, I like to see that for that belt. Yeah, uh, I definitely like the uh, U.S. Champ, uh, title, um, and I'm glad to see that they're actually, like, honoring it to some degree. It'd be nice to see more title defenses, but he's done so many, like, six-man matches that his schedule's pretty busy. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about the Divas match. Um, uh, as part of the uh, show. Um, dang it. Uh, 
I'm I'm all in favor of skipping that part because man, it's I don't know what they're doing with the divas right now. Well, I have two comments uh, real quick. Um, number one, my bathroom looked great, and number two, my dishes were put away nicely. So that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, it, of, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go please go ahead. No, I was going to say that um, I'm glad that they're they're putting Lita in the Hall of Fame um, mm-hmm. because yes. I I remember Lita and Trish like those those two girls could wrestle. Uh, and not just like pull hair or do like you know one booty shaking move or something like that. They actually wrestled and they wrestled really well. Like they would they would wrestle the caliber that was like the main event caliber. It was it was so good. Um, and I think that <clears throat> women's wrestling really or divas wrestling or call it has really suffered. Um, uh, you know ever since they left. I mean it's it's just been terrible. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Like and you know how much like they were utilized. Like I thought like the highlight for them was when they had. It was like Lita and Trish, like they were a team against Jericho and Christian at a pay per view that one time. Yeah, and they could like, go. I mean, they, they could really go. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think when you start putting in attitude era personalities like they are, I think you know Lita's as close to a no brainer as it is. Like she's she was fantastic, and then even through you know when she was like the rated R skank next to to Edge during that time, like she's just she, she was great at everything that she did, whether as as a valet or an active wrestler. So I think she absolutely deserves it. Yeah, I think she was she was fantastic. For I think it was good putting her in the Hall of Fame. She definitely deserves it. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, the segment with Kane uh, and Daniel Bryan. Um, I really didn't feel the segment was necessary, but they, I think they had to put Bryan out there somewhere. So that was probably a good use for him. It wasn't long. It wasn't boring. Um, but I don't know why they're feuding Kane with with Bryan. If you know, they're, I'm hoping they're going to put Bryan in the championship match. So, um, what do you guys think? I thought they I thought they did that because like weren't they supposed to put CM Punk with Kane, but since he's gone, like, hey, how about the other guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I see that too. It, the whole segment really <laughs> felt shoehorned, like they they didn't know what else to do with Kane. So it's like, yeah, let's like like he said, like the other guy. Uh, and and I also like the whole authority angle. Like it it works if you see the authority actually together, but you really don't see Kane with Triple H and Stephanie that much. So. If this is my first time watching Raw, like, and I knew nothing about it, I'd wonder what he talked about when he was saying he was, you know, the authority this and the authority that, because it's kind of, it's kind of a hard connection to make because you never actually see that stable all together. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, I don't know, the authority's kind of all over the place right now. Like, the Shield doesn't even hang with them anymore, so I don't know what's going on with them. But I, I think it's good to have that kind of heelish authority figure in place. Is whether wish they would do more with them though at this point. Yeah, and, and another thing, uh, sorry, let uh, me cut you off. Another thing about ahead, this, so like, okay, so if you got the authority and you got Kane, is there, is there really a need to have a general manager anymore? I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Brad Maddox has, has, to page, has to have a paycheck somehow, so. Maybe they, the authority was the anonymous general manager. <sighs> Do they even, like, resolve that at all? Yeah, they said it was Hornswoggle. God, Hornswoggle is the, the, Hornswoggle. Oh, is the worst solution to every problem. Uh, <laughs> he's just... God. Yeah, here's another thing I'm glad I don't see it more too often. Uh, anyway, finishing up the show was John Cena defeating Randy Orton cleanly, uh, and what I thought was actually a better match than what they did at the Rumble. Um, I think people were into the match. I was into the match. Um, I love the ending, but I think the match in itself was pretty slow. What do you guys think? Uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh... 
you know, it, for the 137th time that they've wrestled, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, but I like the fact that John Cena said, you know, this is going to be the last time or one of the last times. And I, I think right. Orton Cena has kind of been done to death. So, um, um, you know, it was a good match for what it was, but but I, those guys have have pretty much done everything together, and and I think it's good that they're going to move them on. Honestly, like I, some of my thoughts on both those guys. They should have just made like a six-man tag with all the elimination chamber guys there at one time. That way, you could have like, yeah, Cesaro and Christian get up there with those big-time main eventers, and not that Christian isn't, but he's not at that level with the other guys, and just get them, you know, just get them in the ring at the same time. I love that idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think they would. I like the idea that Randy Orton is wrestling all the other wrestlers in the uh, Elimination Chamber. It gives them the <coughs> opportunity to work with them. Um, but, yeah, I think a good conclusion would be a big six-man match in, in doing that at the end. The only problem is that four of the six are faces and only two are heels. So maybe a heel turn for one of them, maybe, like Christian. I don't know. He'd maybe do for that. Yeah, I'm not sure. And, I mean, why is Randy losing to all of them? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't... It seems like he's facing all the people. I guess, did he beat Daniel Bryan or not? He lost, he lost to Daniel Bryan. So, and then he lost to John Cena. So we'll see, it'll be interesting to see if, if he uh, actually loses to, to Christian or uh, Sheamus. And it goes back to what Bryan was talking about. Like, to make it believable that some of these other guys in the Elimination Chamber are actually going to have a chance. Like, they, they almost need that time. They need that uh, ability to show that they are potentially can beat Orton. So it'd be nice to see what they do from here and, and, and see, you know, if they do that. So, what do you guys think overall of the show? Um, if you could rate it, like, you know, letter grade, what would you give it? Like a three, a three out of five, maybe? I don't know. It depends on the scale you're trying to use. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, it seems very lukewarm. It's like, I don't think they really have an idea. Like, once the elimination chamber is over, then they'll be like, oh, yeah, WrestleMania is coming. Let's get this thing together. But I don't know, think they know what they're doing right now. Yeah, and I think I, I echo that same sentiment. It just feels like they're kind of treading water until they get to the elimination chamber. So I'd say it's, you know, three, two and a half out of five, just sort of standard. If this wasn't WrestleMania season, it probably wouldn't be that bad. But because it is, it just feels like it feels like we need more heading to WrestleMania. Yeah, I agree. I think it was definitely a C plus, B minus kind of uh, show. I, I think it was like... I'm liking the three-hour format. Um, it's been a while since I got I watched wrestling. I got back into it about before SummerSlam. Um, it's good they can put all these matches in here, but if they don't mean anything, or they just kind of do the match just to do a match, it, it kind of feels like they're just treading water right now, and that does what it feels uh, as what they're doing going into the Elimination Chamber. So I think once WrestleMania hits and they have a clear idea of what they're doing, um, I'm hoping it's going to be a better product. Definitely. I look forward to it. All right. Well, that concludes uh, Raw. Let's move on to the retrospective uh, of the uh, Attitude Era, starting with Royal Rumble 97. Mm. Um, I chose this uh, pay-per-view because it did feel <coughs> like the start of at least Stone Cold Steve Austin's run towards being the champion, which he would do uh, the next year. Um, mm. But I think they pretty much made him, like the, well, it started making him be the man of the company, and so I think there's a lot of parts of the Attitude Era started around this point. Um, not a lot of them, but I think it, it kind of, once the bowl started rolling, it picked up more and more pieces. And then once the Attitude Era happened, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, this is the Attitude Era. This is what they are in right now. I mean, just from my own perspective, I, and because I'm male and partial, but I always thought the Attitude Era start, started the minute Vince screwed Brett at Survivor Series. Like, that was it. 
Yeah, um, that's definitely a good good starting point too. But I think there's like so many pieces before that, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, mm. Nation of Domination, um, DX, uh, Gold Dust, Sable, um, things like that. Yeah, Gold Dust. Um, <coughs> especially like once uh, Hart turned uh, heel, uh, at least to the American mm. audiences, he definitely he definitely feel a lot more attitude, especially coming out of him. So. Oh. Yeah, definitely. That that build up with him and Shawn Michaels throughout the whole year was fantastic. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Um, okay. So we'll start off with uh, the first match. Uh, Hunter Hearst Hemsley with Curtis Hughes um, defeated Goldust in opening match for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, what did you guys think? Go ahead, Brian. Uh, you know, I I, I like the match, but I gotta tell you, I. I didn't understand why Curtis Hughes was out there because I don't think he did anything for him then or <laughs> even really after that. Yeah, he didn't I mean, that match at all. He was just standing around looking yeah. angry and black. Yeah. I mean, like, the match itself was pretty good. I mean, if you look towards, like, the, that WrestleMania match, I think it was just it was a build-up to bringing in China as his bodyguard. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, this had a lot to do with that. But overall, I, I mean, for the match itself, it was it was very good. Yeah, I think it was pretty good, too. Yeah, it just kind of made me question, like, why would Triple H need a bodyguard? And if he did need a bodyguard, like, why would he go with a jobber like Mr. Hughes? Like, it made it make a lot of sense, like, what the relationship there was, was you know, and, and why he needed a bodyguard in the first place. Like, I like China, and that, that was a cool dynamic, but that was just weird to have Mr. Hughes there. Yeah, um, I think Mr. Hughes was probably a poor choice for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was a heelish, um, you know, a uh, rich guy from Connecticut, so he had to do something heelish, like have a bodyguard, um, like uh, the Million Dollar Man had Virgil, uh, and the Virg- sure. Virgil was probably the jobber's jobber. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think uh, you know, I think that's what we're trying to go for. But I think China definitely. I mean, it was a weird dynamic because she was a very buff uh, woman, and you know, she kind of filled the role that like a, a male role almost. Um, so. But she would show up later on, so... But, but yeah, I think overall the match was, was pretty good. Um, it was definitely the, probably the best match of the night, I think. Um, so, I think it was, it was pretty pretty decent. Um, and any yeah, other I, thoughts? I agree. Yeah, it, it, uh, one thing that, that happened during this match, and, and that happened a couple other times during the pay-per-view, is when they cut away from the actual entering action, and, and this one they interview some country singer guy. It <laughs> gets don't... worse. I don't know why they do that. Like it, it totally takes away from everything happening in the ring. It takes the wind out of the sails of, of everything that they're building up. So uh, it, it was Todd Pettengill who I didn't hate, but I just I couldn't stand the cutaways, just taking everything yeah. out of the match. Yeah, they, they oh, match. Which match was it where like he was up talking to the girl about babysitting her way from Australia to watch the Rumble or oh, something? Yeah, it was the Rumble. <laughs> it was the Rumble itself, I think she, they did that, and it just killed. The, I mean, it just was terrible. She was awful. He was awful. Uh, less said about that, the better. Um, so anyway, moving on to more, uh, more stuff we, we love about the Attitude Era, or before that, mm-hmm. uh, Ahmed Johnson versus Farouk with a Nation of Domination. Um, wow. Uh, now, Ahmed Johnson beat, it, beat Farouk via DQ when the Nation ran and interfered, and then Ahmed Johnson cleared house and put some mm-hmm. poor slob through the, uh, friends announcer's table. Uh, so. <laughs> which which is weird a, a French announce table like oh. Jacques Rougeau needs a paycheck. I saw yeah. His his only audience was uh, was nobody, but um, yeah, that was kind of weird that they had a French announce table back then. 
just I, like, the, the the whole thing just you know it, like like with the first match like it was just building up like towards WrestleMania because you yeah. knew that they weren't going to blow that feud off right then and there. It just seemed like it's just a, a throwaway just to make everyone look like, hey, Ahmed's back. He can take a beating. He's still okay. I thought it was interesting that the uh, the chant of "You're going down" sounded a lot like "Feed me more." And when I looked at it, it's like an overly muscular guy who's stiff in the ring, has really no mic skills or charisma to speak of, and a push to the moon. Like, Ahmed Johnson is, you know, the word I came up with was rye black, because that's pretty much exactly who he is. As long as he doesn't end up in TNA in two years doing, like, a Harlem Heat ripoff, you know, then we're good. <laughs> yeah. Also, speaking of that, like, they they call, like, the gimmick went went there, quote unquote, with Farouk calling Ahmed Johnson like an Uncle Tom. Oh, seriously, so like, uncomfortable. Yeah, that. Seriously. Yeah, that whole the whole nation domination gimmick was really uncomfortable to watch. Like today, even back then, I thought it was really offensive because they're making him like a Black Panther nation of Islam kind of uh, uh, character, and obviously the outfits, the whole uh, by any means necessary thing was was it was definitely going for that image. But then they had like those those two rappers PG thirteen who were like the whitest of all white boys, and, <laughs> Crush, you know, and Crush and Salvia Vega. Well, um, you know, doing the the, the whole gimmick thing and uh, it it just was, uh, yeah, it was it was really, I don't know, kind of they looked kind of intimidating. But at the end of the day, they were they're kind of uh, I don't know, just just they they were really uncomfortable yeah. feeling and yeah. just terrible. It was just Farouk crushed and like a whole bunch of people dressed up like butlers. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought the stable definitely got better as the storyline moves along. I think the Nation of Domination when they introduce the Rock, they get Owen Hart. Like I think it gets cooler, but the beginning yeah. was rough. I yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, thought, they brought in D'Lo Brown for that WrestleMania 13 match. I thought like, oh, like he, he was on there. I thought he was on the team with I don't. Yeah, I, I think he was one of the I, guys in the suits at that point. Um, well, when it gets to WrestleMania 13, we'll check that out. Yeah, and just thank God this was only eight minutes because yeah. neither of these guys should ever be in, in a ring much more than oh, that. God. Like it, yeah, less was, is. Yeah, the match itself was pretty pretty horrible. I thought it just uh, lots of rest holds, lots of going to the outside. It's very bad. Mm. All right, moving on uh, before we get all ranty. Uh, Vader versus The Undertaker. Um, I thought this was a pretty decent match between the both of them. Uh, it wasn't great, but it, it did feel like it was building towards something bigger and better. Um, but uh, Vader beat uh, Taker with, by uh, via urn shot at the end uh, by Paul <laughs> Bear. Uh, I don't think the urn actually looks like it hurts, um, but you know it's wrestling. Go with it. And it was a, it was a flying urn shot too. We actually saw uh, Percy Pringle jump off the apron to do it. I was I was impressed. That slow that slow mo killed me. Just seeing him hit the floor, like some Paul Bear was like, "Come on now, like just stop," because it's making my head hurt. Yeah, but in terms of wrestlers to, to take on the Undertaker, I think uh, Vader looked really good for that because Vader was a really big dude who could also be very um, agile too in the ring. Like he had a moonsault he could use in the Vader bomb. So, uh, and he was a legitimate tough guy. I mean, this guy actually looks like he could kill somebody with his bare hands. Um, so I think you know the pairing was pretty good. Um, not a five-star match by any means, but still pretty fun. Hey, what did he say to Vince at the end? Like, it, it, was it like a shoot comment or what? Because he, he, Undertaker walks around the ring and he throws chairs and things like that. And then he goes up to Vince and he points at him and he says something. And, and it almost kind of is like, okay, now we're starting to get into the attitude era because we're starting to recognize Vince maybe as more than an announcer. Um, 
you know, we're mouthing off and destroying sets because we're mad we're choke slamming a referee. Like, you could definitely see this was one of those seed matches that was going towards something. It just seemed like they were doing that with everybody. Like, like you know, Bret Hart was doing the same thing. I'm pretty sure Shawn Michaels was doing the same thing. Yeah. It's like, 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 Vince was like, oh, something's going wrong. Let's yell at Vince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it looks like, too. And uh, when, did, when did Vince McMahon reveal himself on camera as the owner of the, the Federation? I thought it was well known even before that, but I mean, when when he got stunned, when Stone Cold stunned by Austin, like right after SummerSlam, I don't. That's the only thing I remember. Yeah. And wasn't wasn't there a moment at like at the beginning of a Raw sometime where he gave like a little statement of the WWE address, where he's like, you know, oh, we're we're going to become more extreme or something. I think I remember something like that, and and if you know, stop me if I'm wrong, but I, I remember something like that have him sort of acknowledging himself and and that may have been not the first time but that's what i remember yeah. well what, what about when he had that um i don't know if it was when brett hart attacked him but when brett like lost that it was like a cage match and they started just going off on you know and then he quit and then came back i thought maybe oh, it was yes. something like yeah around that time okay well that'd be something that will be fun to research uh moving on mm-hmm. uh unfortunately we have to to oh, hector garza pero agoya el canic I totally butchered that name. Uh, Jerry Estrada, Heavy Metal, and Freza Guerrera um, did a six-man tag team match that nobody cared about. Unfortunately, it wasn't Heavy Metal Van Hammer. Uh, I was a little excited, but then that was a letdown. Yeah. I, I, they were just trying to pander to the local area, and I don't even think they cared. Yeah, nobody cared about this match. Um, I think this was kind of just kind of crappy. It just kind of fell in his face. I think in the Rumble, they had a lot of Mexican wrestlers in there, too. And nobody cared about them. Um, nobody knew who they were. It was it was just bad. Was this attempt was this an attempt at trying to copy the Luchador movement over at WCW? I think it was. I really think it was. Um, but it, again, it just really failed horrendously. So it's kind of did sick. you guys did you no, guys happen ahead. to notice the uh, the referee in this match? It was oh, like yeah. a seventy year old guy with a ponytail and a headband. Yeah. He, he probably he probably stole it from Terry Funk. Yeah, was he a Spanish ref? Maybe. I think so. I think they probably need a Spanish ref to to let those guys know what the heck was going on, so they couldn't wrestle like with American ref probably. Okay. Well, I did some research. If you guys want to know an interesting little piece of trivia here. Okay. Well, they talked for a minute about El Canic and having a victory over Luthez, which I thought was pretty crazy. So I looked him up. He holds the distinction of body slamming both Andre the Giant and Yokozuna over his long career. He also has victories over, as said Luthez, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Vader, and Yokozuna. So that, that guy, was he, he's got quite a history. If he, if he only spoke English, we would know him better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad. Like, like, that's an impressive resume for somebody that nobody in the crowd cared one ounce about. And I literally had never heard of him until that night, and it's like, wow, okay. Yeah, that's kind of sad that we don't know a lot more about international stars unless we spend the time doing the research like you did, Donnie. So, <laughs> uh, obviously, hats off to you for doing that. And um, I'm actually more impressed with Elkanic. And uh, if I ever watch the match again, I will keep that in mind. All right, moving on to the Rumble, um, which I thought was a, pretty much a, 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 almost like a showcase just for Stone Cold Steve Austin. What did you guys think? Absolutely. Like, I mean, that was the, the, the whole point of it. Like, I mean, you had a lot of established guys that he was fighting with, like, Bulldog and Owen and, like, even, like, Goldust or, like, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, but it was all about him. Yeah. Until, I, until Bret Hart came in. Yeah, I think that was the best moment of the entire uh, match, just seeing him on the turnbuckle, his hands in his face, seeing Bret Hart walking in there and just, like, 
because he was just kicking butt beforehand. He was doing push-ups. He was all cocky. Bret Hart comes in there and he's just like, nope. All right, this is a wrestling match now. Yeah, and that was great. I mean, it really kind of sunk in the fact that, you know, it, it helped Austin get over. the You know, 10 eliminations is really helping him go into another level. And then Bret, it makes both Austin and Bret look good for him to come out and that reaction to happen. I think the ending was kind of crappy, though, with, uh, with Stone Cold being thrown over the top rope, the referees being distracted, um, and then coming back in, throwing off uh, Vader and Undertaker, I think, and then also throwing off um, uh, Brett, um, who had just eliminated Fake Diesel, uh, who I had never actually seen before, who looks a, l- a little bit shorter, but a lot like the Diesel I remember. That was kind of uncanny. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had Fake Razor in there too, oh, didn't God, they? Fake Razor. Yeah, they did have Fake Razor, I think was number three or number four, heavily booed coming in. Um, gets eliminated, everybody cheers. Everybody, I think everybody hated that gimmick, it was just so stupid. That was all. I, I mean, as, as a Bret Hart fan, I personally, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the ending, but if you think about it, the way they were doing with the whole, like, Bret being screwed thing, like, it played into that. Like, that was, it's just like, hey, like, he won, but he really didn't win, and now he's going to complain about it. Yeah, I think that definitely fed into it. I think the ending definitely fed into the next pay-per-view when they have uh, Vader, Undertaker, uh, Brett, and Austin take on each other, uh, which we'll hopefully get to the next podcast. Um, so um, I think it's kind of a big setup for that. Um, it wasn't horrible. It, it, it just kind of felt like it went by really fast for a Royal Rumble. I think the, the time between wrestlers' entrances was pretty quick. So, yeah, well, it was... I was gonna say there's there's there was a few botches that kind of got on my nerves like I mean the clock and the music were kind of messed up and then at one point Vince says uh, when, when the Godwins come down he's like is it one Godwin or both it's like you don't know the rules of your own pay per view like didn't you invent this yeah, uh, well, so I thought that was really strange Vince is, uh, yeah go ahead no no uh, I was thinking like they I think they got the point from what you guys are saying because, like, as like the like ninety eight, ninety nine, like as the Royal Rumbles went on, they had a they had a good time, or they made it a point to tell a story in the match. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, as opposed to like earlier Rumbles, I think that pretty much was the point was was telling a story about like they had like a one feature person in each match um, who would who would eventually win or not, uh, and that would uh, you know move on to WrestleMania. So I think they did a pretty good job in this one, uh, establishing Austin as being uh, a top guy in the WWF. So I think it did his job. Um, again, there were a few botched spots and a few Mexican wrestlers that he didn't care about. <laughs> yeah, I read some stats and I actually found something kind of interesting because uh, when it started, Vince made the comment that you know the the first spot is the most unlucky and has the worst odds of winning in the entire uh, Rumble, and and it's it's that's not actually true. When I looked back, it's like Shawn Michaels did it from the one spot, and then you also have previous winners. Uh, and I did just the numbers real quick: eighteen, twenty-three, twenty-seven, three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-seven. At the end, you have a historically better odds of winning as the first spot than you do the number thirtieth spot. So, you know, I mean, it just that I just thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, wow, nobody ever wins from spot 30, but, yeah. you know, somebody win from spot one. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good point. Um, thanks again for doing some research. Now. You really, uh, you're impressing me today. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, I got to one be, more interesting uh, fact. Um, please go ahead. Oh, no, I'll wait till the end for that one. Oh, see, so saving the nuggets for uh, me, okay. like that. All right. All well, right. like, to be fair with the whole Shawn Michaels thing, like, I, I didn't really like his Royal Rumble, because it was like a 60 seconds in between entrance, so that went by really quick, and he's only in the ring for 39 minutes. Like, Benoit, he was in there for over an hour. Like, I like Benoit's hey, Rumble hey, victory hey, hey. more. Okay, we can only talk about Benoit the character, not Benoit the performer, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 
My favorite Absolutely. Rumble performance of all time was Flair, but uh, oh I, I, God, Flair! That that match itself in '92, I think that was an instant classic right there. With Flair winning it and eh. and just just being flown around so many times. So yeah, that that I think that uh, as far as the Rumbles I've seen, because I know I haven't seen them all, unfortunately, uh, that's probably one of my favorites too. Yep. Okay, moving yeah. on um, to Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid. Yeah. Um, you know, before that I saw this match, I always said I never saw a, a bad uh, Shawn Michaels match. And unfortunately, I got to say, this is a bad Shawn Michaels match. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, it was, it's honestly, it was, I, I didn't care because, like, it's in his hometown. What are they going to do to have him lose? Like, they built it up to where he couldn't lose no matter what happened. <laughs> Well, I, I think that the Rumble should always be last, because by the time this match came, like, I was exhausted. I really didn't even, I was like, okay, well, Shawn Michaels is going to win, and let's just sit here through the end of it. Like, it was just, it was awkwardly paced. I know he was the hometown kid, but uh, it was just, it was exhausting by this point. Yeah, yeah, I think it was ex- exhausting, and having the world title match at the, the end of the show really does kind of uh, take away from the Rumble itself, so... Yeah, I think he was he was okay, but I think that Psycho Sid, I think just losing the belt to him back in Survivor Series and winning it back just gave him the chance to have that kind of moment of regaining the title uh, via Rocky III. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think overall you, you can definitely tell there's something was wrong with Sean. Um, he just didn't have the the attitude or the enthusiasm that he's shown before, um, that he's shown when he's when he returned. I think. This is like the the rumble like right before he did his famous um, "I lost my smile" speech. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And uh, just going back and watching that that speech, that was I mean I honestly like at the time I thought he was was you know it's like Shawn Michaels why are you leaving you're the top face of the company, um, and uh, like now like knowing the kind of like problems he went through uh, during that age uh, when he was in his early early thirties there, um, that actually felt really emotional and I think it actually came mm-hmm. from the heart. Okay, look, really quick question. Do you think he was actually hurt? Or do you think he was just trying to avoid losing to Bret Hart at WrestleMania? Oh, yeah, conspiracy. No, um, I think Shawn Michaels probably can't remember now, um, but uh, I think it's probably column A and column B at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, definitely. So, for this Rumble, uh, I said I had a one little more factoid, so I wanted to throw this out, because one thing I noticed is when, as soon as it started and throughout the rest of it, is this crowd was massive. It was huge. Uh, so I looked it up, and actually, this audience was 60,000 plus people. 60,000. That triples the attendance of any other Royal Rumble, including mo- the modern ones, and it tripled the crowd for WrestleMania that year. Right. That was huge. Yeah, that, actually, that's one of the few arenas I've ever been to, um, which was the uh, Alamo... Uh, yeah, Alamo Dome. Yeah, Alamo Dome. Yeah, I went there once and uh, I, you know, years later on. Uh, but it's a huge stadium. Um, I think the, the story I heard behind this was that Shawn Michaels actually convinced them to do uh, a big arena match in his hometown uh, and use the arena, uh, the Alamo Dome, for that. And so I think a lot of the tickets were probably like given away just to fill the, the, the seats. But, yeah, that was a huge audience for a Rumble. Hey, that's something like uh, I don't normally recommend like other videos, but if you get a chance, like go on YouTube, look at like Jim Cornette shoot. He talks about like the Royal Roman '97, like it's classic. Talking about like how they they uh, gave away tickets because they couldn't yeah. sell enough seats to fill out the place. And oh, if wow. you remember, they said like I remember Finkel got on there and said it was like sixty-one thousand in attendance. And then you uh-huh. saw Sean, Shawn Michaels talking, saying that's seventy-one thousand. Yeah, the number <laughs> changing throughout the match without the, uh, the event. I thought that was kind of funny too. 
Um, but yeah, so anyway, Psycho said he's a two-time WWF champion. I thought he was pretty much like undeserving of the belt because he didn't really have a, the kind of resume, uh, charisma, or ring skills that uh, a world champion deserves. So I said you know, we create our own list of the top five least deserving champions of all time. Um, anybody want to go first? I'll kick it off with one. Um, it's like I guess it's a little with the caveat because it's not it's not the character overall. I, I included the time that they got the belt. Right. So like I I, I went with the Rock last year. Oh. Okay, that's interesting. Because okay, I mean yeah, I mean I like CM Punk, but he had the belt for 434 days, beat everybody that they had, and then you bring in the Rock, who like Batista didn't like wrestle to earn his opportunity, gets his match, beats him. And then between winning the Rumble and winning the Rumble match with Punk and losing to Cena, didn't wrestle once on Raw. Right. So, like, I was like, he just came back, and the only reason they gave him the belt was so he could lose it to Cena clean. So I don't think he deserved it at all. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Donnie? What was uh, coming at the five spot for me was actually Vince McMahon. Uh I just nice. didn't think there's much more offensive than putting an you know than an owner putting the belt on himself. Like yeah. I understand it was the time and he was a big name. It just to me it just felt forced and he does not deserve to be champion. Yeah, I definitely can I, agree about that. Can I ask a question? Um, and sure. now is this are you talking about like is this 1999 when he beat Triple H? Or are you talking about like and or when he won the ECW belt? Oh, I didn't even think about the ECW. I was talking about the Triple H one. I I forgot about the ECW and that. Gosh, yeah, that one goes on yeah, there too. Number five, I actually had Yokozuna. Um, Yokozuna, again, was a, a big guy, very slow, boring, um, had Mr. Fuji as his manager, um, terrible in the ring, boring matches, uh, pretty much beat everybody, but it's like you're big, fat, and slow. Why are you champion? You're not bringing anything. Um, and uh, the whole gimmick, I think, itself was, was even for the time, really uh, inappropriate and racist. So, um, yeah, I mean, because really, I mean, Japan gave us Nintendo, and we were totally over Pearl Harbor. So, <laughs> really? I, I are you making a Japanese guy the bad guy? Really? I, um, I like. I, I seen an interview he did years later where they're like, "So you're Samoan, right? Yeah, and you were a sumo wrestler champion. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it does, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's actually yeah part of the whole Samoan wrestling uh, family. So. Anyway, uh, Brian, you're number four or number two, whatever you want to go. Uh, honestly, I mean, it seems like an easy one, and to me at least. I want Mark Henry. Ooh. Now, Ooh. to be to be honest, like, I like because I know they did, like, it seems like a world heavyweight title for a time was just like, hey, let's find a veteran who's been around for a while and throw him a bone like they did with Kane. Yeah. Like, it's like, I mean, yeah, they made Mark Henry dominant and gave him the belt, but Really, I didn't care that he ever had it. Like, either he's going to win or he's going to lose like anyone else would. But I just had no interest in Mark Henry being a world champion at all. Okay. That's a good point. Um, I think Mark Henry definitely is a bit overrated, but he's put in so much time with the company that they do have to kind of throw him a bone. I mean, I thought that's what the ECW title was for. They threw all those guys' bones for that <laughs> one, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, do think? Here's ECW title. Uh, Donnie, what, what was your number? Uh, uh Boy. Yeah, coming up, uh, the next one I had was uh, Rey Mysterio in 2006 at WrestleMania, and I, he only won because Eddie Guerrero died. That's yeah. it, and that's that's to me that is the worst reason to have somebody win. It's like, well, we don't really like Chavo, so we're gonna go ahead and give it to Mysterio. Congratulations, buddy, your friend is dead. Here's your belt. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Uh, he also won the Rumble that year too, if I remember. 
That was uh-huh. a good Rumble match. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, I think he was probably he almost became my list. He was an honorable mention, I think, in my my list, probably number seven or so. Um, but my number four was actually Scott Steiner. Um, nice. As we're doing WCW and WWEF guys, um, I thought he is terrible in the microphone. Uh, he looks all roided up. His catchphrases annoyed the crap out of me. Couldn't wrestle. Uh, slow and dumb and big and oh my goodness, I hate him in every single incarnation mm-hmm. he's been in since he left the Steiner Brothers. <laughs> uh, okay, let me can I give you one piece of like, something real quick. Like if you get a chance, and it's on like the w, best of WCW Nitro DVD I got, but like he cut an interview in '99 before a match with Jericho, saying that like DDP's wife was mesmerized with him, and like that was like the best thing for Scott Steiner I ever saw. But it said everything about his career. Yeah. Yeah, he, I don't know why they still give him spots. Uh, it's just terrible. He's got some legendary botches. <laughs> uh, all right, so Brian, what's your number three? Uh, let's see. I, I actually went with, with uh, Psycho Sid. Yeah, okay. I, I, I just did not... He just seemed like a big stiff. Like, like there's examples. Like I, I know the reason he quit, what, the WF in 92 is because they didn't give him a chance for the belt and he had to like wrestle Hogan in his wink-wink retirement match, but... Like, like even when he had the belt in 96 and 97, he wasn't believable. Like, there were so many better people. And then what? And when he had the WCW title in, what, 2000? It was because Benoit quit the company. Yeah, yeah pretty much he's always the number two guy for, for picking up the belt. Uh, interesting enough, I hear that the original plan was to have, I think actually probably from the Jim Cornette uh, uh, interview he did, I uh, mentioned that Vader was supposed to win the belt and uh, Shane, uh, Shawn Michaels was to go back and beat him. Um, but because, like, Sean was so scared wrestling Vader because Vader's so stiff, they put it on, uh, Psycho instead. Wow, you know it's gotta be bad if you're more stiff than Psycho said. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, speaking of that, if you ever get a chance, go back and watch the SummerSlam 96 match with, like, Sean and Vader, and you see Sean yelling at Vader, like, during the match. Yeah. Like, uh, it's okay. bad. I, need to go back I have to check that out. Yeah. Alright, so Donnie, uh, who's your next person? Well, I alluded to this earlier, so I'll go back to it now. It's uh, the Jack Swagger reign. Ooh, good choice. Wow. I just thought this was a career killer because it was way too much and way too soon, and it kind of showed one of the downsides of the Money in the Bank match is that for a long time it was if you won it, then you won the title. And I think that this came back to bite him, that maybe just because you won Money in the Bank doesn't mean you, you need the title. Right. And I think even to this day, it, it just it, it affected Swagger in a big way, and he has not ever been able to gain anything back from that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think that the Money in the Bank uh, definitely hurt him in his career, because now he's just like number two to Cesaro, so it's not mm. really helping him out at all. Can, can I defend him for a second? I don't think it's that... Uh, just. I, I don't think it was 100% his fault. Yes, he could speak better on the mic, but, I mean, he was a really good wrestler. But if, if you if you remember that time, like, they had just announced that they were doing a Money in the Bank pay-per-view that year, which seemed like it was pointless because he had the briefcase, so they had to rush him into cashing it. And then they used Jericho and Edge to put him over, and then they both went to Raw in the draft. So he was left with nobody to fight. Okay. Yeah, I... I see your point, yeah, and I, and, and I don't necessarily think that the Jags Wagger is a bad, bad wrestler. I actually, I, I like some of the stuff in the ring, and you know his his T bone soup, uh, his uh, slam or whatever it is. Obviously, I know a lot about him, right? Uh, but I I don't mind him in the ring. It's just that this this reign that they gave him, they really put him in a bad spot, and that might be more representative on the WWE than than on him himself. But it was just it was a pretty bad reign. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I was more 
was it? Oh, no, yeah, number three for me. Um, actually, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, I'm a big G.I. Joe fan. Um, I love Sergeant Slaughter and a lot of other stuff he's done, but when they made him the Iraqi sympathizer, um, gave him the belt just to take it off Warrior without Warrior being beaten by Hogan, um, and just have Hogan just do a terrible match with him in WrestleMania 7 to win the belt back, um, long after the war has been won, folks. Um, (laughs) it was, it was just really, really, um, oh my goodness, his whole time, I mean, he, he looked terrible in the ring. His gimmick was so uh, contemporary yet offensive at the same time. I think I was I was really really uh, glad when Hogan beat him when I was like you know ten years old. But after that, I think it was just terrible. Yeah, and in defense, like I completely agree with you. I just think that um, like like Warriors match with Savage at WrestleMania Seven was like so good that I wouldn't have wanted to see him wrestle Hogan again. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I mean, he did set up that, that phenomenal match when he did beat the Warrior, but uh, just him as a champion was just terrible. It also set up those terrible vignettes after it was all over about him going to National Monument, saluting them, and saying, I want my country back. Like, it was, it, that to me is, is one of the pinnacles of wrestle crap because of everything that happened and, and how that led up to that. It's just, uh, Sergeant Slaughter as a champion, that was a really good call. Yeah. All right, so uh, number two or number four for you, uh, Brian? <laughs> Um, I, I, I had to go back a little bit because I had to think about it, but I was watching a lot of Nitros recently, so for me, it's like, it's just from 1999, it was Hulk Hogan. Like, I, okay, even from like the, like the finger poke of doom, and then you fast forward to when he, he comes back from his injury, and he beats Savage, who was on a roll at that point, and then after that, they turn him back into like the real American Hogan, and for me... At that point in his career, I could have cared less that he was, you know, saying his prayers and eating his vitamins again. You know what I mean? Like, like Hogan right there just seemed like this is all ego because Goldberg should have had the belt. Savage should have had the belt. Nash could have had a longer run. Anybody else but him. He didn't need the title. Yeah, that's and he, was, oh, so he was so limited in the ring at the time and everything after that. Yeah, yeah I think the, uh, the post-40-year-old Hogan is just terrible and just buried so many other great wrestlers when he's um, when he did that. So yeah, I think that's probably one of the reasons why WCW had the, the troubles that it did afterwards and then folded is because it stopped becoming believable when he won the belt again. But he put over Kidman and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, less said about that hey, the better. Hey, not when it mattered. You know, uh, Kidman Kidman could have gone to Bash at the Beach and fought Jeff Jarrett. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, well, Clash of the Titans. We'll get there in a second. Um, so Donnie, who's your uh, number two? Number two is Bob Backlund in 1994. He went over Brett, making Brett tap to the crossface chicken, uh, or crossface chicken wing, or whatever it was called. And, and you know, at the time, I was like, eh, this guy's kind of old. He's really vanilla. I mean, just, just not not fun. And then he loses to Diesel in 30 seconds. Like, he gets in the wing, and he gets jackknifed, and that was it. Yep. So... He didn't deserve his transitional champion. I don't know why they just didn't let Diesel go over Brett. They wanted to throw this old fossil in anyways. And uh, it was just nobody knew who Bob Backlund was at the time anymore. Uh, Terrible, terrible, terrible champion. Yeah, just just really, really bad. Um, I didn't actually watch wrestling at that point, so I I do kind of know about it uh, just by researching wrestling. But, uh, yeah, that is kind of a crappy call for them. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, I think the only reason, like, it wasn't so much that it was Backlund, but it was like they were trying to like continue the whole like Owen and Brett feud, and at the same time it was just like 
if we put it on Backlund, it's going to be harmless if Diesel beats him in 10 seconds. Yeah. Anyway. Right. He previously had a reign like in the in the late seventies, early eighties for years as the champion. It, it almost put a, a black mark on that entire reign of of, of his championship. Yeah, to remember him as being this, the guy who jobbed Diesel. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of uh, Billy Kidman versus Jeff Jarrett, my number two was Jeff Jarrett. Um, and and any organization is in. I know we we promised we wouldn't talk about TNA, but yeah, I, I gotta bring him up um, because he is such to me the perennial mid Carter. I think he's good in the ring. I think he's good on the mic. But in terms of being the champion, never seen it. Before, never seen him. Uh, I couldn't really see him as being that that champion. So, ugh, just just horrible, horrible stuff. I mean, if, if you thought that you know Backlund being as a guy that lost to Diesel was bad, how about? You know, Jarrett being the one that, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he the one that David Arquette pinned, or did he pin Bischoff? Oh, goodness, I can't remember. Either either him or Bischoff. And uh, I think he did pin Jarrett. Yeah, I think that was it. Oh, man. Well, we, okay. <laughs> Less said about David Arquette, the better. I think that's yeah, really I, your point, though. <laughs> and I, I really think Jarrett, I mean, he's as, as bad as that whole country singer gimmick was that he opened up with in the WWF, like, that really stuck with him for his entire career. Because even today when I see him, I'm like, oh, there he is, J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Yeah, even if you, she, you give himself the, the close haircut and everything, and uh, it calls people slap nuts or whatever, I just never saw him as being world champion. And exactly. And no world champion. Uh, I think the only reason he got it in TNA was because he found the company, so, yeah, it's just crazy. Anyway, you're number one, Brian. Um, uh, to be fair, I had a tie. I don't know if that's allowed, but... Okay, uh, um, ties are allowed. Sure. There's, there really is no rules in these things, just as long as we have fun. It was, um, it was, like, between Diesel and, uh, and Great Kali. <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, just, it stays for itself, like, they're both big stiffs, and while Nash had a lot more talent than Kyle Lee. Yeah. Like his matches were horrible. Like, like, like his WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels. Michaels was putting himself over, made Diesel look bad. Like his best matches were with Bret Hart. Even when he was in WCW as Nash, I like his title matches were like, eh. But like with Kyle Lee, like they just forced him down everyone's throats. They clearly knew he couldn't wrestle, but he still like was beating Cena, Shawn Michaels, Edge. And his mat, like that Punjabi prison match with Batista and Undertaker, at separate times, horrible matches. Uh-huh. Like I think Kali is like he would be like a notch above Diesel, but to me, like they're the worst. Wow, that's that's fantastic. I you know I I had completely forgotten that Great Kali ever held the belt. I, I think that's that's a really good call. Just great mic skills, by the way, on on Great Kali. Yeah, I forgot who his manager was, but he had one, didn't he? Was that Runjan Runjan Singh? Wasn't that at the time? It was it was one of those staff writers who happened to be like Indian, so they're like, "Hey, you're Indian, and you're Indian. Let's just throw you together because you know people oh. birds of a feather, right?" Oh, that's so. right. And they're like, "Hey, uh, you've been with them for a while. Just tell them that you're yours, brother. It'll make sense." Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just to put your belt on somebody that that doesn't have any mic skills like not and not just no mic skills but like no language uh you know that's that's a really odd choice to do like Uh, like i remember the night i remember the night that he won the belt it was like a 20-man battle royal on smackdown because edge got hurt and i'm like really 
you, there's like 20 other people in there. Like, I would have rather Batista had it at that point. And he got honorable mention, by the way. But right, and that Punjabi prison match, like, it, refresh my memory. That was that was like a wooden cage inside mm-hmm. of another wooden cage. I think it was like all bamboo. It's oh like yeah, it's like bamboo. Like as they had to like climb out of it or something. I don't know. It's like the, I don't know exactly. I just remember it was, it was so bad to watch. Right. Okay. Uh, I think we may have lost James. James, are you still there? Uh-oh. Yes, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, 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 I got okay, you. Yeah, I just have a mute button on this thing and didn't want to, like, cough and burp and stuff like that during the podcast because that's incredibly rude. And, we, and, you know, if anybody listens to this, which I kind of doubt they would be, um, they pretty much would have turned it off and been coughing so much. Um, so, Donnie, who was your number one? Ah, well, number one, um, I, I had to go here because I didn't have a choice. Number one, it wasn't enough to ride WCW into the ground. You had to put yourself as a champion, too. Vince Russo. I... Mm. Him getting the belt, it, David Arquette was bad. Vince McMahon kind of made me mad. Ray Mysterio, Jack Spagger, Bob Backlund, yeah. But to see Vince Russo do it, not not even a company owner, a writer, and just the entire era of WCW, to be what WCW was in the early 90s, where, I mean, Saturday night was a was a highlight of my week when I was a kid. Like, that was what I looked forward to. I loved WCW as a kid. And what it became under Vince Russo and under his ideas, and for him to put the champion, it was just like, you know, it was, uh, it was. I won't go so far as to say that, oh, it was, it was a slap in the face, because it's wrestling. But it was, man, it sucked. It, it, it really just, it, that was one of the nails in WCW's coffin. Well, wasn't that around the time that, like, they were just, like, handing the freaking belt out like a party favor? Because, like... Yeah. Like Flair had it, then Nash had it, then Steiner had it, then Booker T had it for five minutes, and yeah, and then Macho Man had it, I think. Um, yeah, I, I remember they. It, it, I think one of the things that also ruined the company was the fact that they just gave around the the uh, the belt like it was the neighborhood bicycle. It was just terrible. <laughs> Kelly Kelly. <laughs> hey, you, you leave Kelly Kelly alone, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you just said it, neighborhood bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I so, anyway, uh, my number one. I, I totally agree with Brian. It was Great Kali. Um, I think at that point I wasn't even watching wrestling. I just knew he was champion just by following online. I'm like, that is a terrible choice for all the reasons Brian mentioned. So I'm not going to go over that again. But uh, I think you know, great, great list, guys. Um, great lists. Great, great uh, observations. I think the one thing that's kind of uh, stuck out in my mind was that a lot of people chose guys who were past their prime or um, past their mark in terms of the, the wrestling world who became champions. So. But, uh, yeah, definitely have fun doing this, guys. Um, this is only supposed to be half an hour. We've made it an hour. Um, so I think pretty much an hour might be what we want to shoot for in the future. Sure, yeah, I think so. I think it's yeah, – we, we covered a lot of ground, so I think that we did good. Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely a lot of stuff to cover in, in one podcast. And so, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, – uh, if you guys have any parting um, comments before we end the, the podcast? I, I, I mean, are you surprised I didn't put John Cena on there? I mean – <laughs> well, well, I just thought. Go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. Well, I think John Cena, um, for all his problems, uh, the way he's been booked, and also um, his his kind of holier than thou gimmick uh, he's had in the last few years, he's definitely hurt in his career. But he, you know what? He has been solid in the mic and has solid wrestling skills. So I'll leave it as that. I, I mean, the reason I left him off is because it's not about least deserving. Because I mean, he deserved it, but there's a between deserving and having that ability. Like, I think they just shoved him down everyone's throat. But again, that's for another show. That is probably for another show. 
Uh, and that seems to be the MO of the WWE right now for another show. But just instead of letting organically champions come and go, they're shoving down people's throats. And I think that's what you saw. It's a good uh, juxtaposition with Royal Rumble 97 where Steve Austin is coming into his own and really taking the crowd over. And they're not shoving him down our throats. He's taking every bit of it. Shawn Michaels is the same way in that time period. So that's how you can see that was on the cusp of something really special, and we have now, it's just, just sort of on the cusp of more mediocre. Yeah, that's a good point there, Donnie. Um, I did, uh, one observation I want to make about the Rumble is that um, a lot of people cheered when he was thrown um, over the top rope and, and onto the floor and they thought that he was out. But I think even more people cheered when he came in and won the damn thing. So I think that definitely shows that they were really behind him. Um, you know, I, I think because he was just so different than the baby faces that have been pushing their face before. It was just a, it was just a good break because I mean yeah, the only people that were booing was like the huge Bret Hart you know supporters that were in the crowd so yeah you know, it's like a, <laughs> it, it was just it was just showing the times were changing that's all yeah yeah yep okay well anyway good show guys uh, I'll let you guys go and we're going to sign off before we uh, end it yeah coming to you live from Raleigh North Carolina this is Donnie and I'll see you next time yeah from Fayetteville North Carolina this is Brian take it easy. I'm Turnbuckle Jim, and this is not from North Carolina. This is from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Everybody have a good night. All right. See ya.